Well, now that we're all in 1988, welcome to church. No, <laughs> I love our creative team and I love this series that we're in called The Most Excellent Way as God reveals to us his way. And I, I wanna reiterate what Barb just said in that announcement video. Uh, we believe in life groups here. And if you're not in a group, we wanna invite you after the service to stop by out in the lobby to get information about our YES series that is coming up. And if you're online, we wanna invite you just simply text the word groups to, I think it's 814 and we'll get you information on this because this is the life of the church is that we do this together. And I, I'm really excited about this series, yes, because we're gonna walk through the book of Mark because too many times this is what gets uh, re reminded in our ideas about what God is, is probably God is just a God of no. Right, when you think about church, you think about God, he's just no, stop. And actually God is a God of yes. And we're gonna walk through all of the different yeses that Jesus have in the book of Mark. And it is profound because God is introducing us through Jesus a new life, a fresh start. And you don't have to be a Christian here today to, to actually want a fresh start. That's something that all of us crave in the beginning of the new year. We long for a fresh start. And this is the good news of Jesus. In Jesus is our new beginning. In Jesus is our fresh start. In Jesus is our new way. Matter of fact, if you begin to just study the word new all throughout the Bible, you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it in Isaiah chapter 43 where God says this, I am doing a new thing. That's what he's telling Israel. He's going, hey, I'm doing something new and I would love for you to be a part of it. God's not waiting for you to have to come up with the best New Year's resolution. And let's be honest, we've quit doing that, haven't we? because we're not good at it. And we go, let's see, if I'm not good at it, let me just quit doing it. And God's going, I've got a better resolution for you. I love this about the life of Jesus. Actually, in Jesus's last night, we talked about this last week. In John chapter 13, he records because Jesus introduces something new. So if you're looking for something new in 2021, I got something for you, it is Jesus. And listen what he tells his disciples in his last night, verse 34 of John chapter 30, uh, 13, he tells them this, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. <laughs> right? You're like, really, Jesus, that's it? Actually, that's in Leviticus. This isn't new. Hang on. Listen to what Jesus goes on to say. A new command I give you, love one another. And then this is what's new. As I have loved you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Not as you love, not as you think love should be, but as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, by this love, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says, I have something new for you, but it's not your new, it's my new. It's as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Can I give you a guarantee for 2021? Some of you are like, please, right? Well, you know, please give me a I don't know everything that's gonna happen in 2021. I do know this, that the loving presence of our Savior Jesus is gonna be with us in 2021. The loving power of God that will transform us and will transform this world will be with us in 2021. You know how it's gonna be a good year? Not because we know all the things that are gonna go on, but because of our good God is with us. And Jesus says, if you want the most excellent way, if you want the best way, I'm telling you, it's through love, it's through love. But here's what I'm learning more and more as I learn about the ways of Jesus and I look at my own life. A lot of times I'll come up with resolutions. Let me be honest, I've made the same resolution the past five years, it just never happened. 
And it's just the same thing. What do I want to do? I know what I want to do. I'm not telling you because you're going to hold me accountable, right? You know, and because uh, that's what we would don't hold me accountable, right? If I don't tell you, I, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. But this is what I know. For the last five years, there's been the same thing I've wanted to achieve in my life and it's never happened. And here's why. It's not because I don't have a good plan for my life. Here's what I've learned. Resolutions always require rhythms. It's not so much about your resolution, it's about the rhythm that you put with it. See, this is what Jesus was doing. He was introducing you and me to a new resolution. He wasn't just saying, hey, go love everybody as you think you should or as as maybe as you can. What he's saying was this, here's the new rhythm. As I have loved you, as I have forgiven you, as I have built you up, as I have given you a fresh start, as I have forgiven and given you my grace, I want you in that rhythm to go give that grace to this world. Do you hear the rhythm of that? Boy, it's a way different way to live our life. And this is the invitation that Jesus is giving us as we begin a new year. This is why we need one another. This is why we need our church family. Because by ourselves, we will not live out the ways of Jesus. By ourselves, we won't do it. But when we walk in the rhythms of Jesus together, we begin to see a new life take shape. Matter of fact, this is why we're walking through the book of uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, because the apostle Paul is writing to the church because they have lost their rhythm. Not only have they lost their rhythm, they have lost their ever-loving minds, right? As Christians, man, they have lost it all. He's writing to them. They have become divisive to one another. Corinth, if you don't know anything about Corinth, it's kind of like if you went to Las Vegas and put a church plant there and imagine people coming to Christ, you're like, boy, I bet we got some stories coming out of there, right? And you read Corinthians and there are stories all over the place, but here's what's happened. They've lost their rhythm. And because they've lost their rhythm, they've lost their resolution. What's happened within the church is this, they become bitter towards one another and they become real divisive and they're starting to play favorites to one another. Not only that, but they're starting to take each other to court and Christians are suing each other. For some of us here today, that's what's been most, uh, maybe has derailed your spiritual life is this. You're going, I love the idea of God. It's when I see Christians not acting like Christians, I go, do I really want to be a part of that? And this is what's going on in the church in Corinth. Not, not only that, this is, if you read it, man, it's, it's just crazy. All the different things were happening. People were showing up to church and how they would take communion was this. They would have a meal after the service together in homes. And what happened was this, Paul had to call them out. He's like, hey, there's a bunch of y'all showing up early, drinking all the wine and getting drunk at church. Turns out that's not the best look, right? For people to come in, man, and you're stumbling drunk around church and they have lost all their rhythms. And what he does is this, he calls them back. He calls them back to the most excellent way. Listen to what Paul tells them. He says, here's the most excellent way. It's love. And the most excellent way it would love, it's not this touchy-feely love. It is this self-sacrificing, serving one another, relentless love of God. Listen how he describes it. He begins to give the church and you and I rhythms to hold on to today. He says this in verse four. He says, love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Guilty, oh boy, right? I'm like reading this list, I'm like, yeah, I've lost my rhythm. I know a couple of those things that man, I'm not doing so hot in. And he goes on to say this, because love does not delight in evil but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. 
Because love never fails. See, Paul was calling them back to the rhythm, not just the resolution of Jesus. He's going, you need to find your rhythm with Jesus. See, this is what this year is going to be all about for you and I. Matter of fact, I think that's why a little bit of us, for all of us, this is why we're all frustrated already. It's because we've all lost our rhythms in life, haven't we? We've just lost our rhythm. We've lost, I mean, the easy going out to eat, easy, all these types of things, all the different stuff. We've lost our rhythm. And because we've lost our rhythm in life, we've grown very frustrated. And see, life is built on rhythms. This is why Paul was calling them back to this rhythm of love. Now, if you're like me, the first time I read this list, I'm like, boy, God, I don't feel built up. I feel tearing down, right? Because I read that list. I'm like, I just feel like a failure. Let me remind you about this. And maybe you need to write this down. The first rhythm that Paul is wanting to remind him about is this, is love always begins with God. Love doesn't begin with you or me. Love doesn't begin with our ability to love people. Love always begins with God. It's God's love that comes after us. And then we love one another as Christ has loved us. I had to do this this week just to mentally get my mind around this passage. Everywhere it says love, I replaced it with the word God. Matter of fact, I want to read this for us. We need to wrap our minds around this. If we're going to really, in 2021, embrace the rhythms of Jesus, we got to understand it begins with the love of God. Listen how this reads now. God is patient, and God is kind. God does not envy, and God does not boast, and God is not proud, and God is not rude, and God is not self-seeking, and God is not easily angered. And God keeps no record of wrongs. Thank God. And God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Because God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. Because God never fails. See, when our mind begins to go, love doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. It begins to transform us from the inside out. It doesn't start with your ability to do this list. It starts with God's ability to love you and I right where we are. It starts with his overwhelming grace. Literally that word patient, when it says love is patient and we say God is patient, you know what that word patient actually means? I found this fascinating. It means pace. Matter of fact, that's why we lose patience because we've just lost the pace with whoever's around us. And we say, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm moving on. I've lost my pace. And the beautiful thing about God is this. He never looks at you or I and goes, I'm done with you because God is patient. Listen to what this passage says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Some of us think God is just, God, where, where are you at? No, 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 God's not slow, as some of us think he's slow. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but listen to this, but everyone to come to repentance, every single one of us. You see this in the life of Jesus. The more you study the life of Jesus and the more he's around different people, you see him taking different pace with different people, don't you? You see him with Zacchaeus, the tax collector who's ripping all sorts of people off, but he is broken and empty inside and he wants a fresh start and he climbs up a sycamore tree to see Jesus because his life is a wreck. He has more money and more things, but he's realizing none of that satisfies his heart and he wants to see Jesus, but he believes probably Jesus doesn't want to see him. 
And Jesus slows down the pace with Zacchaeus. And when he sees him, he says, Zacchaeus, you go down, come down from the tree because I'm going to your house today. And you know who got mad? Not the pagans. You know who got mad? The God followers. Because they didn't like the pace of Jesus. See, Jesus has a different pace than we do. We want to be quick to just cut people off. We just kind of wanted to white shrewd them. Right? You know, you're just, you're just done. I'm done with you. I'm done with all this other stuff. And Jesus goes, I'm never done with you. I am a God who is patient. I am a God who not only is patient, it says this, who's kind. And that word kind, sometimes I mistake this word kind. Sometimes I think to be kind just means to be nice to one another. It doesn't mean to be nice. You know what kind means? Kind actually means to loan people your strength and their weakness. Kind goes, I see where you're deficient and let me come alongside you and build you up. See, this is the beauty of the church, that we come alongside one another in our troubled times and we lift one another up. This is what Romans chapter two, verse four says about God and his kindness. Paul was writing to the church in Rome. He says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is what leads you to repentance. Do you know that? God is not looking at you going, you better get your life together or else. We might say that to one another. But God's kindness looks at you and it says, my love for you, I'm gonna lead you back to repentance. Had an incredible moment to pray with somebody after service last night. He came up and it was just a beautiful moment. And he said, boy, he said, if my grandma knew I was wearing a hat in church, she would kill me. And I said, I love that you're here. And he said, I didn't know church could be this way. And then he went on to say this, and I didn't know God could be this way. I didn't know God actually wanted to be kind to me. I didn't know God actually wanted to meet me in my weakness instead of waiting for me to overcome my weakness. See, we serve and follow a God who is kind to us, who is patient with us. But here's what happens. One, love begins with God, but here's the thing. Love begins to put others first. See, this is the rhythm. It's not just that you would have a loving relationship with God. It's that this relationship with God would begin to flow through you. Bob Goff, one of my favorite authors of a book called Love Does, says this. He says, Christians need to realize we are God's rivers, not his reservoirs. Sometimes we want to keep all of God's love to ourselves, right? It makes us feel good, right? And it makes us be able to go, I'm loved. I don't know about you, but I know I'm loved. And he goes, no, 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 we're not reservoirs of God's love. We are rivers of God's love. That the way you grow in God is that you begin to learn how to love one another. This is why Paul goes on to talk about this list. He says, here's what love isn't. We know love is patient and love is kind. But he goes on to say this, love's not envious. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrong. This is what love isn't. Love is this way of God being expressed. Matter of fact, this is how you and I grow in our relationship with God. Some of us, we think we just grow by coming to church. This is one of the ways that God does grow us. God grows us not just by gathering this, but now God says, this is great that you're letting me love you, that you're growing in your knowledge of me. But here's the next step. He's going, now I want you to grow in loving one another. 
And to that we say, can't we just come back to church, God? <laughs> you know, do I really have to love my neighbor? Listen what scripture says. Look at this list. We compiled this list of one another's. This is what it looks like to be the church, to walk with one another. It says that the church is to accept one another. The church is to restore one another, to care for one another, to carry one another's burdens, serve one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, bear with one another, teach one another, encourage one another, spur one another on, confess to one another. And as Jesus told us, to love one another. You know, we talk a lot about being a church that connects unconnected people to Jesus Christ because it is paramount for us to love God, but it is paramount as well to love our neighbor as ourself. And this year, you know, we do our serve day uh, opportunities here at the church and we try to be as generous as we can because God has called us to love our neighbor as ourself. And one of the things that's been frustrating for us is we haven't been able to do that the way that we've wanted. And, and here at the end of the year, we said, God, you've given us this resources, but we haven't found the ways to bless the community like we've wanted to. God, would you provide a way? And somebody on our staff said this. They said, hey, what if we took the resources that we pour into Serve Day and we actually reallocated it into our life groups and said, hey, you go and you find needs and you bless people as God opens the door. And we said, man, that's a brilliant idea. And so this is what we did. I love this about our church. We sent an email out to our life group leaders and we said, hey, listen, we will give you a $500 Visa gift card if you commit to praying and asking the Lord to open a door for you to go and meet a need in our community. Pray about it. We know people are in need right now and the church needs to meet the needs. And we thought maybe 15, 20 groups would take us on. Over 75 groups emailed back. We went, whoa, Nelly, all right, you know, and uh, it's such a need deal. And here's one of the stories that came back. Because here's what happened. Our life groups began to really see in fresh ways. No, I'm to be the river of God's love. I'm to walk this out. One of our life groups wrote us and they said, hey, listen, uh, this one lady said, I'm a teacher and I had a family immediately come to my mind. She said that the person, the family that came to mind is a single mother working 16 hour shifts at a nursing home to support three children at home. And one of her little girls are in my class and they lost her dad a year and a half ago. She said, with this money, I called Duke Energy and paid two months of her electric bill. And the lady who took the call said the gift made her cry and I assured her we would pray for her too because it was the love of God in our church that made us want to help carry this burden. And we had some other members in our group give additional funds and bought groceries. Okay, a lot of groceries to take to this family. And when we delivered the groceries, telling the mother that the electric bill was paid for two months, she began to weep. She said, as a child, she had served the Lord, but allowed the cares of this world to overcome her. And I reminded her in that moment that Jesus hasn't left her and that he had heard her prayer for help. See, this is the beauty of God's love. We're looking for better ways to live. God says, I've already got the most excellent way for you to live. It starts with God's love and then it is God's love working through you. 
I, t- I can't tell you how many stories have come back of people going, this was so much fun to look out and to see where I could help, where I could love, to be the literal hands and feet of Jesus. See, this is what Jesus was saying. He's going, I don't want you just to love people. I want you to love them as I have loved you. As I have begun to transform your heart, I want you to take that love into the world. And this is why Paul says this, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth because love always protects other people. It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres because love never fails. Man, you want your year to count this year? Count on the love of God in your life. I mean, you want your marriage to get better this year? Count on the love of God to transform your marriage. You wanna see your work change? Maybe you're leading people at work and you're going, I don't know how to deal with this situation. Count on the love of God. If you find yourself single this season and you go, I feel so insignificant, count on the love of God. If you're in high school and you feel like people are just backstabbing you and just tearing you down and you're going, I can't count on them. Count on the love of God. See, this is what the rhythm he's saying is rejoice in the truth. And here's what God is calling for us in 2021 is to let love become our greatest joy. Let love become our foundation. Let love begin to build us up in all sorts of new ways. Let love be what drives us. Not what we think, but the love of God in us. I I came across this study, and I've shared this a couple months ago, but it reminded me when I was talking about this idea when I was reading that we need to rejoice in the truth. See, too many times we'll agree with Jesus, and I love what Bob Goff says about this. Did you realize Jesus never asked you to agree with him? He asked you to follow him. There's a difference between believing in God and actually trusting God. Big difference. And God is calling us in this season to say, no, would you step out in faith and begin to follow me to begin to rejoice in me? The Center for Biblical Study and Biblical Engagement did a study with Christians and they interviewed 40,000 Christians. And here's what they found fascinating. They said when Christians would go to church once a week or they would just read their Bible once a week, they actually found kind of minimal change in their life. It's not that they didn't believe in God, but they didn't really see this change of God in their life. And they said, even when people would read the Bible twice a week, there'd be a little bit of change, but not a ton. They said uh, when, they, when people would read their Bible three times a week, and this is part of a good rhythm for us, is to sit down with God's word, to open God's word. They said there began to be a little bit of a blip, a little bit of a change. But they said when people started prioritizing, rejoicing in the truth at least four times a week, opening God's word, they said there was exponential change in their life. When the word of God, the truth of God, Jesus began to be where you and I rejoice more, they said it went off the charts. Listen what happened when people began to open God's word at least four times a week. It said loneliness went down by 30%. We're in a very lonely time. We know there's a pandemic. Can I, can I remind you, we got another pandemic going on right now. It's called isolation. It's isolation. And I'm telling you, as the church, we better take love seriously. Man, as the church, if God's prompting you, even on the way home from church today, to text somebody, would you text them? God's saying, no, 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 don't leave these people alone. And here's what happens. When we begin to open in God's word and we begin to rejoice in God's word, loneliness begins to drop by 30%. It said this, after interviewing 40,000 people, it said that anger dropped 32%. Love is not easily angered. Well, you know how you don't live easily angered? You rejoice in the truth. You rejoice in Jesus. It said bitterness dropped by 40%. 
Alcoholism dropped by 57% when you open the Bible that many times. Spiritual stagnation dropped by 60%. Pornography use dropped by 61%. Sharing our faith, this is what's crazy, sharing our faith went up by over 200% when you rejoiced in the truth over four times a week. See, this life change that we long for, sometimes we think it's in us. No, 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 it's rejoicing in the truth. Because here's what we know about love. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Came across the story of a man named Don Ritchie. Fascinating story. Don Ritchie served in the Navy for Australia for a number of years and retired here in what's called Watson Bay in Sydney, Australia. Now here's the thing about Don Ritchie. Don moved into this house across from Watson Bay when he retired. And he thought, I'm going to retire. I'm gonna kick back. I'm gonna look at the ocean. It's gonna be a phenomenal experience for my life. I'm gonna retire and that's it, kicking up my heels. Except what happened was when Don moved into that house across from Watson Bay, he said he began to hear reports of people that went missing that were in his neighborhood. Don Ritchie went, well, what's going on? And he said it wasn't like one or two. He said it began, began to be multiple people went missing. He's going, something's going on. And what he found out as he dug a little research in is this. The Watson Bay where he's at right there, there's a nickname for it called The Gap. And what he found out was this, that The Gap was the number one place for people in Sydney to go and take their life. And Don said, I know I'm retired, but I gotta do something about that. And so Don began to do this. Here he is retired, could have made his life all about himself. And Don, every day, once he heard that news, began to sit in his living room and look out towards Watson Bay. And he said every time he saw somebody walk along the cliffs by himself, he would leave his house and go out and talk with them. And this was his pace. He would just walk up and say this, hey, what's going on? And he said it was amazing how many people began to open up their life and share what was going on. And he would then say this, well, why don't you just come back to the house and let's have some tea and let's talk. They said officially, Don passed away a couple years ago, they said officially they counted that Don saved 160 people from taking their life at Watson Bay. His family said it was more like 500, that was just an official count. And they asked Don one time, the news came to him, they said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Listen what his answer was. I love it. He said this, you can't just sit there and watch them. I'm offering them an alternative, really. You can't just sit there and watch them. And man, when I heard him say that, I went, that sounds a lot like our heavenly father. When he said, I just can't sit here and look at the world and watch them. I gotta send my son. I gotta send my son to save this world. And I'm offering them an alternative, really. See, today, this year, it's about God's alternative grace for our life. That he sees us and he knows us and he's inviting us into his love. And then he's saying this, not only will you let me love you, but will you begin to look out your front window at those who need my love? What I found is this, that's the greatest thing we could give our life to. 
better than any career is this, giving ourselves to living the ways of Jesus. Matter of fact, right now, here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite you to stand with me. And if you would, as you stand, this is what I want us to do. So we begin 2021 together, just a simple spiritual discipline. And it's just doing this. Would you just, as you bow your head, would you just extend your palms out in front of you? And this is just one of those simple signs. This is a way that early Christians would pray. Christians throughout all the last couple thousands generations would pray. And when they would pray like this, what they were saying is this, God, we are opening our lives to you. And right now, I just wanna invite you to just simply receive and be covered once again in God's love for you. This isn't just immediately about us running out and loving people. This is about stopping and being reminded of the love of God that covers you. Would you receive God's love right now? Maybe for some of you, for the first time, you're going, I was looking for a fresh start. I didn't know it was Jesus. And today, just with your hands open, you're just saying, Jesus, I'm receiving your love and your grace. For some of you, you just need to be reminded right now that God loves you. You may not love yourself, but God loves you. Receive his love once again today. And now we want to pray the second part of Jesus' prayer. He said that by this love, that we would love this world so that they would know we're his disciples. Right now, would you just pray? Would you talk to the Heavenly Father? Would you ask him by the power of his grace and his love for you to help bring his love into the world, to help change this world? I want to invite you to talk to your Heavenly Father right now.